worst thing that we want to do is we want to be noticed. We want to sneak in and yep. sneak out yep. and do the best job we can. And I think if, if the coaches would uh, maybe just take a step back and be like, hey, you know, these guys are trying hard. This is more than just a hobby. It's, it's a it's a desire. It's a passion. And, you know, I want to do this for a long time. I want to be the best I can be. And, you know, and I know umpires don't say it enough and, and coaches don't say it enough to umpires, but we respect them and we feel like they respect us if we can continue that to respect the game. Respecting the game means we respect the coaches and the coaches respect the umpires. Let's be in it together. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. in your earbuds and broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We are still your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold at the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Another week brings us another terrific show on deck for each of you. And within these interviews, we talk a lot about personal growth. We talk a lot about challenging ourselves. We talk a lot about getting outside of our comfort zone and we are walking it this week. Giving all of our coaches, players, and parents who are dialing in, we're going to offer some insight from the other folks that are out there on the field with us each and every game, the umpires. It's not the easiest of topics to tackle, but again, that's where growth can occur, and we have an outstanding dialogue packed with information and nuggets that you can use to better yourself, and ultimately, we can all grow the game of baseball. Find us wherever podcasts are free. Hit subscribe on there. Make time to leave us a review and a rating. Plus, share this podcast with anyone you feel would appreciate these conversations. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaches fraternity here is all about. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly at Coach Sheets3 on Twitter or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. Traveling around the country this past week, and the best part of all of it is I got major quality time with some of our most loyal ABCA members, from Hall of Famers like Jack Leggett, Terry Ayers, to Pete Caliendo, Chris Ramirez, Adam Smith, Ed Matthew, Mike Stosky, the Lee Parks, and Tim Nyman. We love hearing how your convention experiences went, how much you appreciate the growth of the association, and how we can keep getting better at serving you our proud coaches. Much more to come. Stay tuned in and on board to where we are going, guys. Just wait. We got more around the corner for you. Sending a very appreciative shout out to our proud sponsor of this podcast, our great friends over at AstroTurf. Not only have they been one of our ABCA partners for years now, but we truly enjoy working with Aaron, Doug, and the entire AstroTurf crew. It's great to connect with all of you out there in Dallas. If you're looking to make significant upgrades to your facility, you're thinking that the turf solution would be the dream come true that you're looking for, head over to their website, astroturf.com. That's astroturf.com. Find out why AstroTurf has been ahead of the curve for over 50 years. And lastly, as many of you have seen, this past fall, we recorded 10 of the 20 Barnstormers Clinic stops as we touched down at TCU, Houston, Tulane, UCLA, and so many more places as we partnered with Coaches Insider to make sure we filmed these fantastic coaching clinics. Most recorded on the field, some with player demos, but all were engaging presentations, and they can all be yours. We sent this out last week, and hundreds of coaches jumped all over it, where normally this package is around $100. But again, 
because you are our loyal listeners. I'm offering you a special discount code only through this podcast. Use the code SHEETS50OFF. That's S-H-E-E-T-S 5-0-O-F-F over on their website, coachesinsider.com slash barnstormers. That's coachesinsider.com slash barnstormers. So when you do go over to that page, you're going to see a $25 discount code already in place. Don't let that confuse you. You listen to this show, you got the secret $50 off code. So when you go to check out, use discount code SHEETS50OFF. It's right there for you. 60 videos for $50. You won't believe the high quality and production value and the content will blow you away. We want you to jump on the Barnstormers tour bus with us. Head over to coachesinsider.com slash barnstormers today. Take advantage of this offer. So like I mentioned earlier, we go off the beaten path this week. No infield techniques, no catching convos or hitting breakdowns. We touch base with Scott Kennedy and Mark Winters. Both serve as NCAA umpires and are two of the very best out there doing it. Their experiences from rising up the ranks into professional baseball to now seeing the game on the upper levels of college baseball will give our listeners some terrific viewpoints as we unpack the coach-umpire relationship and how we can continue to make this better. We talk about our catchers behind the plate. Both Scott and Mark offer insight into how we can better communicate and prepare those guys. We take on some rule interpretations. They offer us some pro tips on how to approach certain situations on the field. This is so good on so many levels, and we hope you appreciate their perspectives on the airwaves. Might be only fitting that you listen to this in your dugout, maybe up on your perch against the railing or sitting on your bucket or hiding against the wall to call pitches. Either way, just dial in as we connect with NCAA umpires Scott Kennedy and Mark Winters as we go behind the mask to get the umpire's perspective. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We're going to head on the other side of the white lines. We're going to talk with some boys in blue today and get the umpire perspective that, again, for our coaches paying attention, it's going to be a great, great opportunity to listen to how they view the game things that we can do as coaches to really enhance and hopefully further and develop those relationships across the lines. And we got two great ones. We got guys representing professional baseball and their experience all the way through upper levels of Division One and everyone in between. And we're going to welcome these guys in one at a time. We've got Scott Kennedy, now resides in Louisville, Kentucky. Scott, thanks for jumping on with us. Hey, Jeremy, I appreciate you having me. We're excited to have you. we also got Mark Winters representing the Big 12. Mark, thanks for jumping on with us. I'm looking forward to it. It's awesome. We're excited to have both of you guys on. And again, a conversation that's going to take us through your all's perspective. And I, and I preface this all before we hit record. You get a chance to talk with thousands of coaches, have their ear, and it's a great opportunity for them to hear where you guys sit. And so let's start here. Scott, I want you to kick us off with this one. Your all's careers in baseball, I would do it a disservice to try to walk through them in my own intro. I'm going to let you do it for us. But, you know, all the way up through the ranks, and you don't even have to go back to when you umpired some of my Little League games. We'll just leave that one alone. <laughs> and we'll let you build all the way up through your experience to lead you to what you're doing today. All great things. Got to start out somewhere. So your career <laughs> in the Little League, um, I'm, I'm glad you are where you are now because uh, – we're both bigger and better for baseball than where we started at State Stadium. But those were those were some good days. Um, I started my umpire career when I started getting serious about it was going to professional umpire school at the Wendelstadt Umpire School in Daytona in 1997. So some bullet points was 
a good career from there as a 10-year minor league umpire yep. and taught, went back to teach at the Wendelstadt School for eight years and uh, made it up to AAA, got a got a couple of stints at the Arizona Fall League, which meant the, uh, the big leagues were looking at me and mm-hmm. uh, was invited to spring training for two years. And then um, as everything happens uh, for one way or the other, I, I had twin girls that were born a couple months premature. So I dealt with that for my last two years that the big leagues just started taking a look at me. So mm. from a business sense, I looked at who was ahead of me and, and what was the probability of me going to the big leagues. And then I looked at an opportunity of trying to be a, I really wanted to be a dad. Yeah. I wanted to be a husband uh, and wanted to come home and, and thought that was a better opportunity for me instead of, you know, just didn't think that the, that that was going to be my thing was to be a big league umpire. And, and as much as I wanted it, it was tough to call it a career. I'd invested that much time and it traveled all over the country and, and right. winter ball and did camps in uh, different countries that I'd never seen had the opportunity not uh, become available through baseball. So sure. uh, I'm fortunate now that, that I work in uh, the ACC and the SEC and mm-hmm. the Sun Belt, and I get to teach at camps still at all over the country and, and have great relationships with people. And um, the guys that are running the Major League Baseball umpire camps out of the commissioner's office have brought me on as an instructor, so I just completed my third year uh, as an instructor for them. Kind of like the only college guy on their staff, but the mm. supervisors of Major League Baseball now that run that camp were active umpires and were also teaching on the staff at Wendelstadt. So they knew they knew my abilities and my background, and I've always kept in touch with those guys. And, mm. and uh, that's where we are now. I think I'm going into my 11th or 12th year at the NCAA, and um, – I love it just because uh, it's it's baseball and I still want to be a part of the game. Yeah. And uh, I'm having fun doing it. I've got a great support staff at home uh, with my wife. And now my twins are 14 years old. So, uh, you know, they, just like just like the coaches and, and the players grind through it, so the umpires and, and yeah. so do the family. So I couldn't be fortunate enough that my wife and kids let me do what I do uh, and also my employer that, that I can – uh, kind of take a seasonal pass every baseball season, but you know, looking forward to it. So uh, that's where we are today. I love it. Thanks for walking us through that. And again, Mark, same question. We're looking at your career, your experience through professional baseball, certainly various levels of the NCAA and where you sit right now. Just walk us through kind of where you've been and what you've seen. Yeah, well, I started out um, umpiring just a little bit locally, um, maybe like a year or two, and then I went on to umpire school like Scott did. I went in uh, 1994 and got a job, went through the minor leagues, um, was in, my last year was 05, but um, the stops I made was all through rookie ball, double A, triple A, and I went two years of winter ball mm-hmm. in the Dominican, and uh, just like Scott, I mean, you meet a lot of people, get a lot of good friends, a lot of stories, a lot of good and bad stories. That's but, right. Uh, baseball, mm-hmm. baseball was great. Um I uh, had an injury, and um, I had to get out, and um, since then, I've got into college baseball, and I got married, had two kids. I got two little ones, mine are uh, just turned six, and one's four, so I started a little wow. late with kids, but yeah. that, that kind of helps keep you young, and they're very supportive of me, and my wife is, you know, she used to go with me a lot in, during the college season, but uh, now I've got the little ones, so she doesn't get to do that that much, mm-hmm. but um uh, but yeah, and, and giving back, I think, is important too. I, I like Scott said, he works with a lot of the camps. I do a lot of camps, so college camps, and uh, 
travel around, try and give back to the game, give back to the umpires and, and help guys get to where they want to be mm-hmm. in, in, in umpiring. So I think that's important. Absolutely. You know, I've had a lot of success, a lot of luck and a lot of people helping me. So I want to, you know, give that back. So. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, we're excited to have both of you guys on again. We're, we're dipping our toes in these waters, not afraid to take on a challenge or explore a, a new topic for our coaches to, to, again, continue to build and further their perspective. And that's what I'm more interested with this next question. And Mark, I want you to start us off from the way that you see things when you're out on the field. And I think it's always great for a coach to really elicit advice or perspective from anyone, whether it's fans, uh, obviously their administration, other coaches, but you guys as well, you see some upper level baseball, you've seen some good and you've seen some bad, but Mark, what do you appreciate about watching a good team? I mean, from where you stand, whether behind the plate, working with that catcher, working with the coaches near the dugouts or out in the field with the defenders, um, what stands out to you? What's it look like or sound like when, when you really step back and appreciate what a good team looks and feels like on the, on the field? Well, one of the main things that sticks out to me is the attitude and how they respect the game and respect their opponent. Mm. And, you know, we're all human. So, you know, umpires make mistakes, players make mistakes, but it's how you bounce back from having something not go the way you want. Do you hang your head or do you get out there and you just turn the page and move on? And I think to me, it shows a lot of respect to the game and, and that I think as an umpire, we see players and managers and coaches and, and you can still argue, but it's the way you handle yourself mm-hmm. and you don't blame others. You know, it's, it's like, Hey, something didn't go my way. I'm picking up the pieces and move on. You know, yeah. that to me is, is very important. So that's probably the main thing that I see that I, I think is makes a good team and a good, you know, good game. That's so. it. Scott, anything to add to that? Yeah. I, I like the, exactly what Mark was saying. What I wanted to add, too was was the part of respecting the game but how you respect the game how you respect the umpires we're trying to do a job we're trying to get every single call correct and when we come there it may be the first time we see a team uh, but what I really like is is when the team or even the coaching staff goes out of their way to find out who the umpires are and call them by their first name or at least try to re- at least try to at least try to uh, introduce ourselves and, and act like we've known each other for 15 years. That's but right. actually, this is the first series we've ever had. So I know the coaches have done their homework and they have given this information to the players that they've relayed this to them. But again, like Mark said, you know, umpires don't holler at an infielder for, for missing a, a ground ball or for overthrowing first base or whatnot. And and we expect the players to bounce back. And, and I like it when uh, if there's a close call that doesn't go their way, uh, you, the emotions are kept in check and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we bounce back and, Hey, let's turn two and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get out of this. And, um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hang over someone's head or they, they hold it against us. It's, it's, you know, you play one play at a time and then we, uh, we move on, but, um, it's, it's good to know when the umpires come in there that, Hey, this is, this is our, you know, we're doing this because we care. We do this because we want there to be a game. Yep. And when you treat the umpires with respect and, and you act like we are somebody when we show up, um, there's a lot to it instead of us just getting a schedule and then us just taking off and coming to umpire game and then we go home and don't have anything else to do or any other responsibilities. We take it seriously and, and it's appreciated when we come into uh, uh, an institution that also takes baseball as serious and, and we are we are as big as we are as big a part of what they do to get ready 
uh, for the game as they do their opponents. So that's it. Wow. You know, I was laughing because I knew this this call was coming this afternoon. Um, I was laughing this morning, just going, you know what? At at what point in this interview can we get in that any coach paying attention to this youth coach? travel coach, high school coach, college coach. We've got to, as a culture, remove the word blue from our vocabulary. And I know you guys are fist pumping on the other end of the call. We've got to remove that word because, again, if you walk out to give lineup cards, uh, obviously the upper levels, you know umpires ahead of time, maybe some high schools, and obviously youth, you may not know who's showing up. But, man, it's an easy handshake. Hey, my name's Jeremy. Your name's Scott. Hey, Scott, I got a question for you. And how far that goes. Do you guys want to jump on that? Do you want to keep fist pumping through the airwaves on that oh, one? I was, I was fist pumping. I was <laughs> fist pumping myself. I'm trying to fist pump you right now. Uh, and, and I like to have fun with that comment, Jeremy. Um, when, when they say, hey, blue, and I was like, okay, well, this is, this is a new kid. Or edu- obviously, they're not, they're not educated about introducing themselves. So I will go and introduce myself. And then I'll try and, I'll try and make light of the situation a little bit and say, Hey, how long have you been playing baseball? Oh, you know, since I was eight. I'm like, how are you now? 19? So 11 years. Hey, man, we've been wearing black shirts for like the last eight or nine. So if you want to call it, hey, black, you know, hey, can I get one to the left or one to the right? We haven't been blue in forever, but hey, my name's Scott. What's your name? Oh, yeah. my name's Joseph. Okay, Joseph, where are you from? I'm from Detroit. Okay, perfect. You know, if they ask me where I'm from, I sure. tell them Louisville. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good thing. Just, it's just that added extra. Uh, you just you just took the little extra step to mm-hmm. go above and beyond anybody else, especially, um, you know, even at the travel ball circuit and even anything that's youth related. Hey, I'm an adult. You're an adult. You're you're probably a volunteer dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're volunteering to coach over here, you're probably not making that much money. If I'm umpiring your game, I'm probably not making that much money, but right. I just want to be a part of the game. And that just like you just talked about that one little 10 second introduction. Hey, we're starting to build a relationship here. Yeah. We've we've kicked things off on the right foot. So That's it. I thought that was a great point you brought up. Mark, anything to add to that one? Yeah, I think, you know, that the kids don't really realize that until like Scott says, until we tell them that. Because I know like he's saying, you go to a game and, and some kid says blue and you talk to him and say, Hey, you know, my name's Mark, you know, what's your name? And and they're like, you know, no one's ever told me that before. And I think that's part of it. Yeah. And, and yep. you know, it's a communication thing and, and like we like Scott said and I said it's it's a respect thing and, and it's just little things like that. We, I think as umpires we don't expect a lot or demand a lot. But just mm-hmm. little things really set it off to make it like feel like we're appreciated and that we're respected. And that's that's, that's huge to us. Gosh. So well, let's keep expanding upon that because, again, now we're giving you know, insight into what a good team looks like and certainly how they react, especially to adverse situations and acceptance of responsibility. I mean, those are all fantastic points. But, Mark, when you're thinking about a good coach and you're thinking about when you, when you really step back, because here's the thing, man, and, and I hope coaches appreciate this. Most of these umpires, I mean, I would like to say that hopefully the overwhelming majority of these guys are actually baseball dudes, and they get it, and they understand it, and they see it. And obviously, your all's perspective and what you've seen through your experience, you've seen upper levels of baseball. You know a good coach from a bad coach. But when you see a good coach, what jumps off to you, Mark? What really stands off is, man, I mean, that dude's got his stuff together. I like the way his team plays. What, from a coaching perspective, really, uh, maybe from where you sit, helps you really appreciate what he's doing? Well, I think went back to what we talked about before and the way that they have their teams perform and how their teams interact with us and how they interact with us how they handle us, how they, you know, they ask us how the locker room is or how, how was your trip in? They, they give the, like they care that we're there, Yeah, that they're glad to see us, you know? 
they respect us. They give us the same respect that they want. Um, hmm. You know, I sometimes coaches, you know, I do this for a living. And you hear, you know, you're just, this is just a hobby for you. Well, it's, it's really, maybe I don't do it for a living anymore, but it's more than a hobby for me. Yeah. I've, I've invested a lot of time and effort into the game of baseball and I respect myself and I don't want to go out there and do a bad job. We train, we go to camps, we clinics, we go to meetings, we watch videos, we, we train too. We may, we may not do this for a living, but it's pretty darn close to yeah. doing it for a living. At the level we're doing it at. And I, and I think that the coaches that realize that know the time and effort we put in, to me, that, that is a sign of a good coach. That's it. Scott, so, what, would, what would you add to that? Touching on what, what Mark has also said, I'd like to add a couple things yeah. uh, that I think overall as, as umpires really appreciate is how well are, are the little things. Are we running on time? Did yep. something happen and, and the infield didn't get prepped on time or something happened and, and the batting cage, uh, maybe the tire had a flat tire and, and it took them longer. Uh, and then somebody just communicating that to the umpires. Hey, we're going to we're gonna start 10 minutes late because something happened. Oh, oh, great. We don't have to go out there and stand when it's 95 degrees for 10 extra minutes yeah. um, to come out there too early. But how the coach, you can, you can tell, also tell the good coaches as well as who's got control of the dugout. Mm-hmm. Are we are, are we all standing on the rail and hooting and hollering over the first pitch that may be a borderline pitch and it's the second inning? Well, hold on a second. You know, let's don't we don't want to do uh, Cowboys and Indians just yet. But let's uh, <laughs> let's. I, I like the coaches that turn around, or we know the, the coaches that that don't allow that are mm-hmm. you know the, the dugout's not up there um, on that rail or whatnot. But it's also are we punctual? Are we on time? Does the national anthem start on time? First pitch is on time because. You know, what um, umpires don't want to do is delay the game because of us not getting to the field on time. Right. But if there's everything else is is in those parameters of everything we've done our part, um, then that coach has got everybody going. Hey, we're doing introductions. we got to do the pregame. We're doing everything. So we at all by all means possible, we're starting this first pitch at 7.07 if we're on TV or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that's the thing ESPN hates the most is if we're going to start late or if we start too soon. Uh, so the red hats out there and, and everybody's waving a towel and whatnot. So we'd rather the game wait on everybody else except yeah. for the umpires. But, uh, the, the good coaches have, have yeah. show leadership and control our team. And then those, those, uh, those players are also chattering in the infield, talking to their pitcher and they're talking, you know, Hey, they're picking each other up. And, and that's a sign of a good coach that's running a tight ship over there. So, mm. um, you know, Again, I, lo- I loved how you touched that we are baseball dudes yeah. and wanted to reinforce that we've played the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't. We, we may have not made it to the big leagues as a player or an umpire, but we do take it serious and we do we do quizzes. We watch videos. We have to answer the videos. We have to submit this. And if we don't submit and do what we're supposed to do on our end, even through the offseason and during the season, we're not going to work a game. That's we're right. not umpiring. We're not coming there. They, they, they hold us accountable. They hold us responsible. And, and with things on ESPN3, or on the big four-letter network of, of video plays coming there, the, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Uh, so our appearance, we take we take care of ourselves with the appearance. We take care of ourselves with the mechanics, and uh, we know everybody's watching us. And and we want to be uh, a non-factor and let the let the let the let the men play the game uh, and the final score. Let it be what it is, but not because of the umpires. So the coaches that that just ride that out and just let let the umpires work and do their thing come out when they're supposed to come out. Yep. Uh, it's a big play in the moment. I expect you to come out. I understand why you're coming out. 
And and if I was coaching, I would come out too. It's a it's a bang bang play at second base. So yeah. uh, those are the, those are the guys that can control their emotions and keep it in there. But they're still that's part of the game is is the conversation between an umpire and a coach. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, now we're rolling downhill here, and I want to kind of head into some rules and obviously how as coaches we can handle some of those situations from your all's perspective. Then you know keywords, some tips. We're gonna go into to a lot of different topics here, but where I want to start is Scott, when you're thinking about the one rule that you probably spend the most time uh, with coaches and it's probably misinterpreted from a coaching end. And again, as a, as a coach, and I can say this in 11 years, you know, I studied the rule book early in my career. I studied it when I became a head coach, but I certainly didn't have verbatim every single rule, every single <laughs> happening. And But you do the best you can. You do the best the way that you understand it. But you guys are always, for the most part, always on top of Coach, that's not exactly the letter of the law in terms of how that reads. But what is maybe the one rule that always seems to come up uh, more than the rest of them do? Jerry, it's a great question, and and you know, you could, there's there's probably there's probably several, but there's and I wouldn't say at the at the higher levels, and, and that's not to knock anybody else at a lower level. Just saying the the uh, the more experienced guys at the at the D one level, I'd say I'd say the one that that I probably had to explain the most is obstruction. Whether it's type A or type B, whether a play's being made on the runner mm-hmm. or plays not being made on the runner, and okay. the base award, if if it determines that there's a, let's say, let's say, uh, Jeremy, let's say, let's go back to your your hitting days, and you've smoked one off the fence, which is probably going to be a long single, you know. yeah, and it's going to be a long <laughs> single, right? Probably it's be yeah. a long single, yeah. Uh, but but you round first base, and and I may be playing first base, and I may get in your way just a little bit, yeah. Um, and it make, makes you stutter step. Uh, so there's really not a play being made on you. However, in this in this instance, you've decided to go to second base, and uh, in the umpire's judgment, had the obstruction not occurred at first base, you would have been safe at second base. Right now, sometimes the other coach will come out and go, "Well, wait a minute, what happened? Well, you know, you called you called obstruction over there, um, but you're out by fifty feet." Mm-hmm. And they said, well, yeah, but he was obstructed at first base, so he automatically gets second base. Yep. It's not automatic. Yep. When that play's not being made on the runner, it's in the umpire's judgment, uh, which he's, if he's out by 50 feet or if it's a long shot and he just tried to you know, jog it in like he thought it was an automatic award, that's not the case. As in a rundown, same thing, rundown between uh, first and second. If, there, if that play's being made on the runner and there's obstruction, that runner doesn't – he isn't just safe going back into first he gets second base. So even if it's obstruction on the first baseman on a pickoff play, it's not your, Hey, time you're okay. And you stay here at first base or you would have been out. No, that's obstruction. The play's being made on the runner. So the automatic base award mm. is second base. And that it, it, it may sound elementary, uh, but it's, but it is, it is one that we have to explain a lot. Guarantee it comes up. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. I've gone out there a couple of times and had to get uh, schooled a little bit. Uh, markers are one that jumps off to you. Well, it's the obstruction absolutely is probably the one that comes across the most because to go on even farther with that, what Scott was talking about, you know, what about when the ball's hit the shortstop and he bobbles it and he goes through his legs and now the runner runs into him? Yeah. Well, you know, that's obstruction now also. So there's all different kinds of obstructions and sometimes they don't, sometimes it looks like the offense might have been the one that created it. Mm-hmm. the obstruction or interference but it's you know those are sometimes tough to to get the coach to buy into and mm-hmm. i would say also runner runner's lane interference like going up the first base staying inside the 45 foot yeah. lane yeah i don't think i don't think coaches and players really understand that rule teach it to us and um 
teach it to you? Okay. Yep. When you're running up the last 45 feet to first base, you've got to stay in, inside that lane. If you stay inside that lane, as long as you're running just straight to the bag, you're going to be okay. But if you're outside that lane into the inside or to the outside, you're going to be, get called for interference if you impede that throw at all. Hmm. And if, even if the catcher doesn't get a good throw, it's still going to be interference. And I, I don't think that's called enough sometimes maybe at the lower levels or even at the higher levels, but it's one that's, I mean, it's cut and dry. you got to be in that lane. Yeah. So I think, and I don't think coaches realize that. I definitely don't think players understand that. You know, they just run wherever they want, and it's it's one of those rules that can really impact the play. You know, if you're button trying to get a guy into scoring position, now you got to have an out and bring runners back. Yeah, it's a big play. Well, I don't want to show my ignorance, but the, the beauty of being the uh, person that edits the podcast, I can always take this part out. But the way that I've understood it, again, running through that lane, Mark, to your point is they, from 45 feet on, they have to stay inside that lane. And obviously, we all know the base is on the inside part. So as they close in, that's when they can come over and cross over to, to get to the first base. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to keep that in the show then. Um, <laughs> you're one for one, Gene. Yeah, I'm telling you, I know enough to be dangerous, but certainly. You're I, running. You're ready to end the call now, aren't you? You're no, an expert. No, yeah. Yeah. Give, give me 10 more minutes. I'll say something really wrong. Um <laughs> Okay, so when we do have a situation like that, and um, you know, there's a call that is made, and there is a difference of opinion, and I think I would be, uh, you know, for all my coaching buddies that are out here listening, and I've said this and joking, but I actually feel pretty good about it, man. I have I have called every pitch from a bucket in the dugout, and I'm I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm I think I'm I'm pretty on top of it. But more than that, as you guys know, using our catchers, and again as a coach, I I, I know when my catcher has really good feel. I know when he tells me, hey, I don't know, that's right there for us. But when there is that difference in opinion, and I'm going to need to go out and, and talk to you in some form or fashion, whether that is a call in the field or that is a mound visit and wait for you to come out, when there's a difference of opinion, um, Mark, what would you say would be the rights and wrongs for a coach to come out? And, and again, how would he handle that situation the right way? And certainly, how would he handle it the wrong way? Okay, well, obviously, as you know, you can't leave your position to argue balls and strike. That's right. So, That's right. That being said, you know, and, and, <laughs> and who would do that? Really? No, no coach is going to do that. Well, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, and, and, and at the same point, we, we understand that, you know, sometimes the coach goes to the mound to have a visit, but yep. he really is waiting for us to yep. talk to us. Yep. I think as a coach, as long as you kind of handle yourself professionally and not make a big scene, we'll answer a question or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. We need to get going. Yep. Okay. But I think though a better way maybe for a coach to handle that is maybe in between innings or, you know, if you're coaching third base as you're on your way to third base, maybe say, Hey, can I have a minute? Can I ask you a question? Yep. Approach us like that, other than saying, Hey, you know that pitch, you know, the way you approach us, you're going to get more feedback. If you talk and talk to us and treat us the way you want to be talked to and treated, yep. you're going to get farther. That's good. us. Yeah. That's awesome. Scott, what about you? Yeah, one, well, can okay. me, one more thing. One thing that really, I can't speak for all umpires, but one thing that really irritates me as an umpire is if, if a coach over in the dugout asks me where a pitch is, hmm. and I tell him I've got it down or out or whatever the case may be, and then your first response back is, no, it's not. Yeah. That to me is, you're not asking me because you really want to know what I had. Right. You're asking me because you want to argue with me. Yep. It's something to think about, too. Yeah, no, fair point. Absolutely fair point. 
Scott, what about you? How do you see it again as a coach? How how should we handle these situations uh, better? I liked how uh, Mark hit that last point. I'm glad he did that because he just stole my thunder for a second. Because <laughs> you know, there's there's a way to get our attention. We understand and and we know when they're borderline pitches, uh, and, and sometimes it's it's the it's the presentation of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if if we don't like it, and we we judge the ball to be outside the strike zone and call it a ball, but you wanted that pitch. Hey, you can have that. Would be something I would get the catcher to communicate with me instead of you uh, asking me in, uh, very loudly right. from the dugout in the top rail, uh, purely for the rebuttal of no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then now we're arguing. Now, now we've gone into a different where we where we'd go into a conversation of handling situations. If you want to ask me to get my attention and then I answer you, you've you've already got my attention. I understand that you think it's questionable because you asked. Yeah, because you haven't asked the other times and whatnot. So the other part of that, of, of that, uh, dialogue wanting, wanting that pitch is if you were to come out and make a visit, um, to the mound or whatnot, Hey Scott, I think that's a close pitch. You know, where, where, where'd you have that three, two on, on ball four? Hey, I had it out. Okay. My, my thing it's, I think it's close. I think, you know, if I can, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was right there. My, my catcher liked it too. Okay. Hey, I'll take a look at it a little yeah. bit longer. And yeah. Hey, again, like Mike, we talked about earlier, we're human. Yeah. We're going to miss a pitch. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to miss one here and there. It's not intentional. I can tell you that. We're not there to see how many pitches we can call. <laughs> uh, we're there to try and see how many. I mean, we're trying to get them right, every single one. And there's nobody uh, that feels worse than an umpire if, if he if he called it too quick. Yeah. If he called it too quick and missed a strike or uh, he called it too quick and, and you know, it's a ball where we called it. It's a ball, but we called it a strike. Um, so there's nobody, but the, the, the thing that is kind of, uh, you know, tough on the umpires too, is we're, we're taught to diffuse situations. We want to handle situations. We want to diffuse situations. And the one thing that we teach at, at umpire camps going into, uh, you know, at at the MLB level, all the way down to the, uh, youth level is for our umpires, not, not to have the one liner come back and get the last word in. Yes. And if I was advising coaches from youth level all the way up, I've done my homework and, and, I, and I pretty much know the coaching staffs. And if I don't, I've gone on the internet to see who's coaching here now because mm-hmm. it may be a, a former, maybe a former minor league or big league player I've dealt with in the past. So we may catch eyes and, and reconnect or whatnot. But the, the, the one liner, you know, as everybody calls them, the sniper mm-hmm. comments uh, from, from the, volunteer wants to sit over there and somebody will say the one liner that will get my attention and make me turn around. But then that person's also gone. You know, I know it's not, I know it's not the head coach because I know his voice Mm -hmm. and we may have a relationship that I know when he's irritated and he wants me to know that he wants to vent a little bit. I'm I'm good with that. I understand that part of the game, but I, I don't need the guy that's on staff second year of doing the one liner to get the last word in and then uh, me not handle it. Yeah. And I want to handle it as professionally as I can, um, but there's a way to get our attention. And, and you can ask a question. I get it. And, and that's fine because, like you said, we're baseball dudes. Yeah, we, we, It's part of it. We understand it. But, hey, there's a time to get our attention and, and just ask the question and leave it alone um, because the next time you ask me a question, I understand you're not going to ask because you you know you agree with me. If you agree with me, everybody's everybody's quiet. But mm-hmm. if you disagree with me, and you want to get the last word in, again, now we have to handle situations and, and arguing balls and strikes isn't you know it's it's black and white in the rule book and and 
you know, we have to give the visual. Uh, that's the hardest part now mm-hmm. is this is your official warning. Uh, we have to write it down. But a lot of times, you know, and, and I know there'll be you know people, some people on this podcast that'll shake their head. Yes. But, you know, yeah, that when I say, hey, that's your official warning. Yeah, that's right. Write it down. You know, it's fine because I've, I've been around a little bit. I have thick skin and I have other things to worry about instead of your one last comment. Sure. But while I'm writing it down, get, you know, it, it's it's good to get it out of your system because I'm that's probably it. biting my teeth, yeah. biting my lip because, look, you you, you know, that's it because that's the rest it. of it's on video. They've seen me. They've seen me wave the lineup card at you. That's your warning. Yeah. So now if I look up again because somebody else has decided to take one more comment. Now I have paperwork to turn in after the game and you have one less on your staff for the rest of this game. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, but it's part of the game. And, if, yeah. and as long as it doesn't get, uh, it carries on too long, we can, we can handle it and, and get through it. That's good. You know, I feel like when I was sending this particular next question to you guys, it's the bull Durham question. Um, so it's depending on where you were in your life as you grew up, you were, when you watched bull Durham, you got educated on a lot of different fronts. Um, but one was the right and wrong ways and things to say to an umpire. And uh, Scott, kick us off on this one. When a coach does come out with a difference of opinion, let's say it's a call in the field. What are some key words that can help his argument, maybe buy him some more time to have a discussion with you? What are some key words that he could say? But then also, what, what should he really try to stay away from? Let's, let's start with the bad news first. From my perspective uh, and what we talk about at umpire camps, just the body language when you come out of the dugout, mm-hmm. I feel like I know if you're coming out to argue – or if you're coming out to argue to get ejected okay. one, you know, and, and we know things that go on as well because we keep up with baseball. Uh, we don't necessarily, Oh, you know, this is for the conference title or whatnot, but you know, a, a coach will relay to us. We haven't been playing well. We're struggling mm-hmm. or uh, vice versa. We know somebody's rolling right now. We know somebody's hot um, just because it's, it's what's in the buzz. That's, that's the media. And that's yeah. what we see or hear around the ballpark or that's what they're playing on the speaker in the, in the locker room or whatnot, but as long as you don't make it direct and personal, mm-hmm. like, like ejections happen, that don't, that, you know, and that's probably one of the, the biggest things that, you know, I bite my lip because I'm like, you're, you are, you're at the highest level right here at the division one level, but you know, you didn't, you didn't cuss at me. Yeah. You don't have to cuss at me. Yeah. You know, literally verbatim, you suck. Okay. That's an ejection. Mm-hmm. I didn't cuss you. You don't have to cuss me. Right. You, you, you're telling me right now, or or how hey, you're you know you're that's a homer call. That's a, that's an ejection because now you're telling me that I'm cheating for the other team. Sure. Um, just some things that are direct with that that include the words you. Now some people will try and get witty and say, all right, well how can we eliminate that word? Just don't come out there and say it. Just if you if you have a question, come out. And the first question we always get asked. If it's a, if, like you just said, a play in the field and it's a whacker, that means it's a close one. The ball in the foot get there and everybody, you know, tie goes the runner or whatnot, but the, the, which it doesn't because it says he has to beat the ball, not get there at the same time. Sure. So that's another rule interpretation yeah. they can scroll back on. Thank you. But the thing is, hey, you know, you, you got him out at second base, it's a whacker, and they come out and the bottom, the first line is to see how we're going to respond because the question's always, Scott, what do you got out what here? What do you got? I know it. Well, uh, you know, the smart aleck. <laughs> Answer is well. I got an out. Yeah. Well, that just that just adds gas to the fire. <laughs> so, you know, if if we're if we're going with uh, uh, what do you, John Smith, Coach John Smith, John, I've got the ball beating your runner to second base. It was a close. It was a close play, but I got him out. You know, I try to because I, I know he's out there. He's he's taking up for his team. Yep. 
uh, he's coming out there because this is a big play. They're all big plays. Mm-hmm. They're all big games. Um, every every call affects what happens next. What's the strategy next? So I, I understand that. So if if he usually they'll come back and say, I I think I think you missed it. I didn't think you had I didn't think you had a good angle on the play. No, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Um, you know, this is what I saw mm-hmm. and this is what I got. And then it usually gets now we start to well, I, I really think you missed it and. You know, I, I thought you blew it. Okay, you know what? I'm I'm good with that. I'm like I, I understand that. Um, I'm not good with it, but I'm like I have to say, I understand that. I understand that you're coming out here to, to 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 talk about the play. Yeah. Um, that's what I got. So now we gotta now we get now we need to get the game moving. Well, I thought you missed it. I I understand that because now you're starting to repeat yourself. Yeah. And I'm not saying hey you're repeating yourself. You have to leave. I say hey I know I understand that you've told me that I I get it I understand. Uh, you came out here to to question the call. Uh, but now we got to get the game moving. Hmm. But if they want to continue to stand out there, then then I have to do the part that you know nobody likes. So I have to say, hey, this is your warning. We've got to get the game moving. If you don't leave, you will be ejected. Hmm. Now the person either turns around and goes back to the dugout, or he stays. And again, we get into the handling the situation part that I, we're not a fan of. We do not. We are not looking to eject people. We are not looking to see how many ejections we can have in a season. Right. But there's the other one, Jeremy, where it punches me right in the heart and, and you get beat up on the media all the time where the guy says, um, you know, the explicit, well, you've been horse crap minus horse. You can even say yeah. you, you've been horse crap all weekend. You didn't cuss me, but you say you've been horse crap all weekend and then you turn around and walk away. Well, it takes me a second to go. Did he just say that? Right. Now I've got to eject him. And now we get we get emails, text, phone calls. Why did you eject the guy when he was walking away? Well, I mean, I can't. Where do I? Hey, that's your warning. Don't don't you call me horse crap again, or right. or don't you call me a a worse explicitive? Which happens. Yep. It's part. Of, I I get it. I mm-hmm. understand. But we've been cussing. Uh, that's great. I understand that. As long as you, as long as you don't put the word you in front of me or my crew or talk about another person from my crew, then I don't have to do any paperwork. But if you get personal. Even if you're walking away, if you say it as a parting shot, that's not your parting shot to go back to Doug. And it hurts because we are trying to let we are trying to let you come out and do your job. Mm-hmm. We got a job to do. You've got a job to do. And the last thing we want to do, is, and I mean, warnings happen all the time, but we do not want to get to another warning for an injection. But we can't sit out there and and you know let the inmates run the asylum. We've got to be. Yep. There's four of us. There's there's 25 in staff in each dugout, so we're against 60 people, 70 people a game. Not against them. We're understaffed. We need eight guys out there to to get everything right, eyes right on the lines and stuff. But it's uh, those are some of the things, Jeremy. I think that would help from youth level on down. Is don't get the one liner of being the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Just come out and do your job. Talk about it for a minute, and then then when it's time to go, hey, yeah. it's time to go. Yeah. You know, your wife says be home at ten. Don't show up at ten thirty because you were playing. You, you know, you were out with the boys at the at the bowling league. You need to be home at ten. That's right. By all means possible, it's time to shut it down and go home. So <laughs> that's why I gave up uh, bowling. Um, that's right, Mark. Mark, when you're thinking about that, are there keywords that when a coach does approach you that that can really maybe not help his argument, but certainly allow you to to let him. Uh, get through his point, but also what are some words that they should stay away from or comments? I would definitely agree with Scott with the body language mm-hmm. and how you are coming out of the dugout, how you're approaching me. And when you get to me, 
are you under are you under control are you pointing and, and jumping around and moving around that that's like an instant red flag for yeah, me yeah. you know you got to come out i mean i understand you're going to come out fast but you got to be under control of your body and, and under control of your physical emotions okay mm-hmm. that's 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 important sure um key things that, that i think aren't good you always sometimes coaches always want you to get help gotta get help gotta get help well there's lots of plays and lots of situations where we can't get help yeah and where it doesn't do any good to get help because the other umpires have other things that they're doing right and i think coaches if they understand that that we we're not going to always be able to get help two when you have a play the ball's hit to the shortstop and i'm not i'm not making excuses for umpires with this was way i'm going to say this but sometimes you get a ball hit the shortstop he bobbles it. He boots it. He picks it up. Now he's got to make a crazy throw. It pulls the guy off first base, and then they make some crazy swipe tag at first, and I got him safe. I think if the coaches would think about what led up to that play, mm-hmm. not saying I got it right or wrong, but instantly come to me, and now it's on me. I missed it because I was out of position or I didn't have the right look. Well, sometimes, you know, take the whole big picture – it's a combination of things. Sometimes it's a bad play that makes it, makes it a tougher call. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes if coaches would look at it at that aspect of it, they would understand, well, hey, you know, he did the best he could with the situation that we put him in. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. No, I, I was uh, sitting there nodding my head as you're answering. Just, sometimes that's tough to do. It's tough yeah. for coaches to step away from the competitive spirit the wins and losses, the moment, the momentum, you know, as you guys know, as you referenced earlier, they're at different points in their season, the way their team's coming together. And so they only want to see it through one lens at times. And I love our coaches, but there is that moment where you need to be able to step back and go, Hey man, for that cat, that is a really tough play to call. And again, if we don't bobble it, it's an easy call. He's out by 20 feet, but because of all the extenuating circumstances, yeah, that's a tough call, but somehow it's hard to step across that and, and think big picture. And, and with that being said, too, I think Scott point, made a point about this. is like when they bring that place from last night or this is the third time you've had a call and it's gone against us. Well, that's just sometimes the way it happens. Yeah. And I, I, we don't particularly care to bring up plays from last night or what happened two innings ago. That that kind of stuff goes up red flags for umpires, too. Yeah. We don't bring up the past. We don't want coaches to bring up the past. To me, those are kind of the red flags. Absolutely, and I, and I'll have your back, your all's back on this one because I, I think when we do have a chance to talk with coaches, and again to, to what we we're just talking about, Mark and Scott, just just trying to help put it back in a clearer lens is you know when a umpire makes a call and you have a disagreement, of course the coach verbalizes that out. Well, what if the roles were flipped? What if when a coach called a hit and run, guy swings through it and he gets thrown out by twenty feet? What if the umpire turned to the coach and said? Hey man, great hit and run call. Good job there, Johnny. You know, if you if you change the dynamic, you'd go, "Oh man, there's no way you would do that." Well, sometimes we need to frame it the same way that we looked at it the other situation. Just go, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, I got it. We're not perfect. There's going to be some issues, but also I'm not perfect as a coach. If you judge me on every pitch that I called or every sign that I put in, boy, you'd have a lot of things to argue with me about. You know, and I think I think that's healthy. It's a healthy way to look at things. Yes, absolutely. You know. Coaches coach, players play, umpires umpire. I'm not going to do your job. You don't try to do my job. Yep. And we'll, we'll be fine. That's it. What do you got, Scott? I was going to jump in there. I, I loved how you did that, and I think this is a, a great conversation, and, and this is awesome that you're doing a podcast like this for the ABCA because 
just like the uh, just like the coaching fraternity. As you know, I, I, I'm an ABCA member because yeah. I read what you all put out. I listen to the podcast because I try and take the communication between the umpires and what the coaches are saying. Mm-hmm. And then how can I interpret this and how can I implement this into umpiring to make it better for umpires to understand what's going on right. between an umpire trying to run the game along with the staff that he's working with on how do we control our emotions. And we're always teaching our umpires do not go into the fire Take you know, be yeah. the, be the calmer yep. uh, authoritative figure that you're in control of yourself. You're in control of your emotions and you're in control of your comments. Mm. And, and one of the things that, that we have to keep stressing is there's, there's all eyes on us with the iPhones and the iPads and the ESPN threes and the, the schools are now getting their own, uh, you know, uh, streaming their games and whatnot. Everything's on video and everybody's held accountable to it. But, you know, the the thing with umpires to run a game, articulate the rules using rule book terminology and sticking to just the black and white of getting through those tough situations. They're not fun. Right. They're not easy. And every one, every one situation is different than something I had last year. Yeah. I'll have something this year. It's not it's not a matter of if I'll have something. It's just a matter of when, when exactly. and what weekend. It'll be opening day, it'll be opening weekend, it'll be a conference weekend or yeah. you can't let it sneak up on you and not be prepared to umpire because a situation will blow up on you mm-hmm. and it could potentially, you know, we're independent contractors. Yeah. That that could be it for you. You're not, you know, you're still not on scholarship and you know, you're not going to retain your job because you're on the coaching staff. Every game is a different game, so you have yeah. to be prepared. And every situation is what we try and stress to the umpires is diffuse the situation if by all means possible. That's and if it. you can't diffuse it, you just – you can't. sometimes you can't. And, and it's, it's not fun. It's not something we brag about, and it's not something we text and we put on social media and say, hey, look what I did. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do it we, we, if, we don't, if we don't have to. Yeah. Uh, but we understand that's also part of the game and we got thicker skin and tomorrow is a new day. If yeah. we have an ejection on Friday, Saturday, let it go. Yeah. Don't bring it to the plate meeting. Don't bring it up. Uh, even if you can't stand me, I get it. But look, there, there's something about me not wanting to write that report too on Friday night, but Saturday it's over. Yeah. Let's, let's do something different, man. Let's get along. Let's play the game. Let's hope everything runs smooth. Um, and, and let's get through it. And, and, you know, we're, we're all adults. This is all for the good of the game. Yep. And I think umpires and coaches are trying to work harder to work with each other instead of battling against each other because nobody wins. It's, it's just miserable for everybody. It's a fair point. You guys mentioned a few of these earlier, and, and I was reflecting as you guys were talking a few questions ago. Coach Cohen, who I had a chance to work for, really gave this one to me. Is If you ever have a moment, Sheets, it's better to always try to find moments to go talk with umpires when there's no action on the field. You know, like in the middle of the heat of the moment, the call, all those things. If you can get by and let it ride and get to the third out, when you do have that 90 seconds in between, that's a moment where you can go out. And another key would be use your lineup card. You know, go out and, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my lineup card. I'm talking to you. You've got your pad out and your pen. And I'm not really making a change. I just want to talk to you about this that happened and find a moment that no one really knows what's going on. They think we're talking about lineup cards, but I'm just really trying to make sure I get a point across to you or I've got something I just want to question, um, but do it in a respectful way. So, again, I think of that as like a tip from the pro. And if there's other situations or other ways that you would add, Scott, kick us off with this one. Just tips that they can covertly talk with you guys, find ways not to disrupt the action, 
but again, find ways to just make sure the communication lines are open. And then also from a player's perspective, what are some ways that they can get to you guys if there is a, an issue or a question? Well, perfect. It's a great question. And based on, on, on what you did with, with what uh, Coach Cohen instructed you how to do mm-hmm. it, that's also evolved um, yeah. as to now when the, when the lineup cards come out. And we've had a situation in the third inning. Well, now the third inning's over and you come out with a lineup card. Well, Everybody knows you're not making a change, but the other <laughs> dugout knows you got your lineup card because you want to continue this conversation yeah. without getting ejected or without it being a warning or whatnot. And you just want to continue, continue this, this and see what's, you know, maybe you have a question or you didn't understand something that I said. Yep. Um, so we're talking about it over a lineup card, but everybody knows we're talking about one play. <laughs> sure. Um, so you know what? I, I'm not bigger than the game. My ego's not bigger than the game. And I think some of the, senior uh umpires that are that and i don't mean seniors as in age i'm talking about experience wise mm-hmm. i think now it's okay because i go to that other dugout because they're watching us what's yeah. my body language what's your body language sheets yeah. Yeah. Well, are we discussing a player or are you giving me quote unquote the business yeah. and i'm not doing anything about it yeah so what i'll do is i'll actually i might i may wander over to the other foul line after we're done with our conversation because everybody's staring at me yep and i know they are so I'll find the head coach, and I was like, hey, he asked a question there in the last play. I said something, something, something. They didn't understand it, so they wanted a further explanation. And this is the, this is the A to Z situation that happened. Yeah. Usually you get a head nod like, okay, cool, thanks for telling us that. Because yeah, the one thing I want them to know is you're not dictating to me that yes. you're the boss and exactly. this is your field and yep. you're coming out here to show everybody that you're, all, that you're the second coming. <laughs> I mean, I'm letting you come out here and you, you – Maybe, maybe I told you, hey, we need to get the game going. Perfect. Yeah. Maybe you left. Maybe you did everything you need to do, but you said, hey, I heard you say this, and I, I, don't, I wasn't understanding that. Did I? Are we interpreting it this way? Yes. Oh, okay. That's all I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. Yep. There you go. Because um, I think body language, and like Mark talked about earlier, how you keep your body language under control yep. and your face isn't getting beat red because you're, you're just that mad, uh, I think it takes care of itself in the fact that we are communicating between both dugouts uh, as to what's happening, like the, we're going to do it this year with the six conferences. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to, everybody's heads are going to spin, uh, until they figure out how umpires are going to communicate with both dugouts. Hey, this was a trip. This is a charge trip. You know, he's got two left. That was his fourth one. I've got two left, you know, so things like that will change. But to answer your other point was the players. Yeah. It, obviously we know who are, who, who are the studs and, and so that's your start nine. So I figure if you're a starting nine on on the if you're on the field even in the seventh or eighth inning if you're not on the field learn my name if you got a yeah. question hey and I've had players come up from you know all the conferences though I know you introduced yourself earlier but I'm Joe and I forgot your name Mr. Umpire <laughs> hey my name's Scott okay perfect hey they want me to ask you about watching this guy whatever you know okay yeah. perfect I yeah. appreciate it we're not untouchable yeah we have personalities we'll talk to you. As long as it's short and brief, yep. we can't sit here and have a have a Facebook have a Live edition. <laughs> we can't have a podcast at second base sure. and turn it into the ABCA and say, "Here's what was going on," and then relay that to ESPN. But if you got a legitimate question, we're going to give you we're going to give you a rule interpretation. That's right. Uh, and if you got a, you know, we can't have scenarios where they're naughty problems. So we'll be out there all day, and like you said, we're going to have a podcast. But yeah. it's um, we, you can talk to us. You talk to us. Treat us like you were talking to your mom and dad, or you, or your mom and dad were introducing you to somebody that may be your future employer. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, Mr. Scott, hey, hey, Mr. Mark, can I ask you a question? You sure can. Uh, you know, I so 
it's just ask, just talk. Don't, yeah. don't try and, don't try and talk over your shoulder about, you know, the guy behind the plate, his strike zone's been horrible all night long. Well, you're talking to the shortstop, but guess what? I'm standing right here at second base. I can hear it. That's it. And because I can hear it, now I have to address it. Yeah. I don't want to address it. You know, but if, if you want to vent a little bit, but you thought maybe one was a little bit borderline or something like that, I get it. I'm, I'm turn around and man, I'll turn around and say, Hey, knock it off. Yeah. Oh, I just thought it was close. I hear you. I get it. You know, sure. so, but that's enough. So, that's but if they come out, you know, it, just, just talk to us. It's, yeah. we're easy to get along with. And again, we're not there trying to make best friends, but we're there trying to do a job and we're there trying to communicate because we know the players are going to go right into the dugout and they're going to say, what did he say when you asked him the question? Well, he blew me off or he didn't want to talk to me, said he wasn't talking to me. Well, now again, we've just yep. ignited fuel to the fire, but we have to be short and brief. It's not because we're trying to cut you off. And if you don't understand it, come back and ask again. And I'll try to explain it a little bit better uh, and try to hit some better bullet points if I didn't explain it right the first time. I love it. I love the fact you guys are getting a chance to to get these these opinions, these uh these real interpretations out. Mark, what to add to that? Again, tips from the pros on on looking at finding ways to convert leave, coaches talk with you, players talk with you, get more clarification. What would you add? Yeah, I, I agree with Scott. I don't have a problem with with we ever played in a situation during an inning and the inning ends, I don't have a problem with the coach coming out and not wanting an explanation, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But let's leave it. Let's keep it short and sweet, yep. and and not have it take the whole half inning. And mm-hmm. and it might even be better if you waited half an inning or an inning and a half and come out and talk. Right. Yeah. Let it breathe you know, and ask the question. But yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially if it's a, a question about a rule or how we interpreted what we did or whatever. But one thing that I don't, I think coaches do sometimes, and I think it puts us in a position where we're not comfortable with. You're coming out of the dugout to go coach third. Now you want to come, the third base umpire to come over, and you want to talk to him about the play I had, about the play the first base umpire had. You're putting us in a bad position. Yeah. Because as umpires, you know, I don't want to talk about a play that Scott had or what he saw because I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what he did or what he saw. So, you know, I don't think, I think you need to understand that. I'm not going to, not for one, I'm not going to throw him on the bus. I'm not going to, you know, agree just to agree either. You know, if, if it's a close play and, you know, I have my opinion on it, but I'm not going to like say, well, no, I, I thought he was out or no, I thought he was safe. I'm, Cause that's not what I'm out here to do. You know, I'm not here to, you know, we're a team and I'm not saying we're going to support each other. If, if we miss a play, we miss a play. We all understand that, but I'm not going to, you know, throw anybody under the bus or and i don't think as a coach you, you should want to put me in that position to talk about somebody else's play yeah, yeah. so i think that's important that coaches should understand that and, and with the players i like like scott said you know it's good to have a rapport but at the same time you know you're out there to do a job i'm out there to do a job mm-hmm. and if you're talking to me and now all of a sudden the ball's hit first baseman's talking to me i work in first base every half pitch you know whatever now we have a ball hit to you, and you and you bobble it. Now the coach is like, well, if you weren't talking to him all game, or if you weren't talking to my player, so a lot of times I like to keep it short and sweet. If you have, like Scott said, if you have a rules question or interpretation, I'd be happy to explain those all day long. Mm-hmm. But just to have a little small talk or whatever, I don't think that's that's that important. So. Yeah. You know, and as we're going through this, you know, I did this uh, when obviously Scott and I live close to each other, is having – him come over and talk with my team and let that umpire into our locker room and go, Hey man, here's some things. Here's some ways I know. I, and I can tell just what way both y'all even agreeing to come on the show. Both of you are all for that. Right. And I think 
most coaches should maybe look for those situations, not just to come do your inner squads, but for them to come out and really get in front of your team and say, hey, man, here's just from where I stand, man, here are the ways that I see things and here's how we can work together. Do you both see it that way as well? Actually, even when I was in spring training, we did that a lot. We, we would have, now we were assigned to a complex where we had the team the whole time, but we would have talk about box. We would talk about, you know, strike zone. Mm-hmm. We, would, we would discuss rules and, and all kinds of things like that. And I think yep. it's important yep. to have that relationship. Scott? No, I agree. I, I, I think it's huge, and and I offer that. You know, I live in Louisville, so I always offer that to anywhere that I can drive. If we can fit it into a schedule, I said I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, it's just a matter of contacting me. I don't mind doing it. Uh, we try and you know, I always try to offer services of anything that can help your team get along better with the umpires because we get feedback from the questions. Uh, from the players, they the players ask a ton of questions. Absolutely, um, and because they want to know, they, they want to stay in the game, but they want to be your best friend because they know you're going to work behind the plate when they're hitting. Uh, right. You know, same thing with the old uh, touching the bag at second base. Did his big toe get it or not? They're trying to get any edge they can, and yeah. the players are actually fantastic to uh, come up with some questions and and whatnot. So it's it's actually good because we can use that in clinics. Going, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're like. Here's the thing. We, we all know the, the catcher thinks we missed a pitch. Well, it's blatantly obvious because he taps his mask once. You know, let's let's change up oh, the signs. We're not we're, getting away we, with we that? Got, <laughs> right, and we haven't been. And I'll, I'll even tell the catcher, hey, can y'all switch up your signs? Yeah. When you touch your mask, I get a little bit fired up yeah. because, you know, it's it's the inside pitch where you had to go across your body to get it. Mm-hmm. And that just looks horrible. And did it catch the outside part of the plate? Maybe. But am I going to get lit up like a Christmas tree because I called it strike three when your guy's been everywhere. I can't have you touching the mask there. The one that's right down the middle. Look, I'm tapping my mask. I'm like, gosh, I just <laughs> called it too quick. That's my fault, you know. But it's just, it's little things of just help us communicate with us so we can relay this and te- use it as a teaching tool to umpires that are coming up the ranks. Because what I try and tell the younger umpires now is somebody's got to replace me. Yeah, I may not be here next week. I may not be here next year. Not not for health reasons. I'm just saying it. it it's time to punch my ticket and get out. Or you're moving up the ranks. You may be on my crew. Yeah. So I want to teach you how to do it as if you come on my crew, this is what I expect. This is what they expect at the D1 level. This is what they expect at the NAI level, D2, D3. Anytime you step out on a field, you can't just come out there and wing it. It's mm-hmm. not just a part-time, I'm going to clock in for two, two and a half hours for a seven-inning game, and then a three, three and a half hour for, for a nine-inning game that's on TV. Mm-hmm. You can't just come in, punch a clock, and then leave. It's, it's, you got to get ready before the game. You got to be focused during the game. And then after the game, we have a post-game debrief. What did you see? What did you hear? What did somebody say? Hey, what was someone? I'll, I'll make notes on a lineup card and say there's something at second base in the sixth inning. I, I, I want to know, hey, what was the conversation in between innings? You had the shortstop and the second baseman out there, and you just right. had a tough call on the shortstop that ended the inning. What, what else did he have to say? Because I'm trying to teach it as, hey, something may come up in a phone call or a conversation uh, I'm at least made aware about it. it. So I think the more we communicate and we try to work together still, I think, I think the more we're in the, in the team's uh, locker rooms to try and educate them and, and see what we can do, you know, rule changes, you know, anything we can do to, to get along better and, or to stay keeping a professional relationship and doing this the right way. I mean, baseball is blowing uh, digital media, uh, TV coverage, media coverage, internet coverage, it's 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 everybody is this big element, whether it's the front office staff or it's the ABCA or, or the umpires that are involved. We're all trying to do 
our very best to put the best product on the field and umpire a perfect game. Yeah, that's it. Gosh, I love it. You're talking about players. It's kind of walking right in my spider web with this one because, you know, as I said, as college liaison, the direct liaison for you is the catcher. And so how they are presenting pitches, how they are receiving them, certainly hopefully taking care of you back there. And then obviously having a verbal relationship. I mean, those things are important. Those help move the game forward. But, you know, a lot of times if you do have a savvy catcher and obviously the umpire's handling himself behind the plate, great. Man, there can be great dialogues that are happening and no one ever knows. No coach ever has to enter the field and the relationship stays positive. And again, they work together. Scott, start us off when you're thinking about how a catcher, let's start from the physical end and then from the verbal end. So from the physical end, what are some moves or positions that can really help you? Again, talking about seeing pitches, but then also what would you be able to tell those guys and say, hey, here's how you establish a good working relationship with me before the game starts, during the game. What would you offer those guys? I would say, you know, the first the first part that uh, a lot of things that's that's frowned upon, and, and I understand both sides of this element, is coming out and shaking the umpire's hand before the game or after the game. We're trying to do the fist pump, you know, and some guys, you know, this could be, uh, you know, not to not to mention players, but you you could have had this guy three or four times, and he sees you, and you you built up this rapport. Well, now he wants to give you the old hip hop hug. You're like, I can't do that, man. I can't <laughs> shake. I don't want to shake your hand. Can't just can't because it just looks awful yeah. to that other dugout, and it looks yeah. awful to the supervisors in the stands. As as much as we're trying to get along with everybody, uh, it's it's really frowned upon. But you know, if if we can kick it off, and I'll I'll do the icebreaker because I've been I've been around. Um, uh, been around the block once or twice so i you know i don't know who the catcher is and he could be a he could be a, a freshman or redshirt freshman or mm-hmm. could be a juco transfer or something and i'll do the icebreaker and just introduce myself hey big man hey what uh, my name's scott what's your name hey i'm brian hey brian where are you from hey i'm from i'm from oklahoma all right cool cool and then usually they'll that'll get them as to say where are you from mm-hmm. i'm from louisville oh okay yeah all right okay uh i'll say what what year are you down here hey i'm a sophomore okay all right uh, if I can remember, I'll say, did you catch a lot last year? Or you just, no, no, no. I, I was a right fielder last year. So they're trying me out at catcher. So now I'm going, Oh gosh, here we go. Um, you know, we got a new position, but no, so no, sure. I'm joking. I'm joking. So they're, uh, you know, I try and build that and then, and I'll tell, you know, I'll look and they'll try and give me, you know, Hey, here's, you know, he's got, he's got, he's got a fastball slide, nasty slider, pretty good change up, you know, if he throws a knuckleball, it'll be all over the place. You know, they might try and give you a little, mm-hmm. little scout report, but it still doesn't matter. It does, I mean, I yeah, we're still having this conversation, but until he throws that pitch, is when I've got to be able with a batter in the box, and, and it's a live ball. We that's when I really get into. I, I try and figure out my catcher in the first and second inning. Like, does he set up late because catchers are setting up when the pitch is being thrown? He's setting up right over the middle because somebody's trying to peek or somebody's trying to give a sign as to where the catcher's setting up and. Yep whatnot well now this guy moves at the last second i'm okay with that but i have to be established in the first or second inning i go oh, okay i've got to get i may have to get set a little bit sooner yeah. or i may have to work a little bit higher because of the catcher's build mm-hmm. or because of his mannerisms as to how he receives the ball if it's a if it's a, a guy that's six two six three i'll size him up because i'm about the same size and i'm like man could we could we whoop everybody in the stadium or is it, you know, is it, you know, is this, this guy's pretty big, you know, Hey, I might may have to watch what I say to this guy. And I, I want this guy on my side, but sure. it's a lot of how they receive the ball, not how they warm up because it's usually not the same as when they, like I said, when, when a batter's in there, but yep. I, I have to figure out, I have to work every single pitch. And again, I'm just speaking on my behalf on what I know mm-hmm. from clinics and camps as to other 
NCAA ex-pro guys and, and active college umpires that, that how we've been teaching it on what's worked best for us. Hmm. But the best method for me may not be the best method for Mark. And as far as how he would get set up is just I'm trying to get the pitch right. Sometimes I don't look the, the prettiest or it doesn't look the most smooth, but I feel like I have my head in a position where I can see this guy. And yeah. the other thing is, is we're thinking about the game and game management and three and O is not an automatic strike. It's not, you know, just because it's up by his, by his, by his letters, uh, you know, above his chest, all strike. I'm gonna try and get one. Uh, that's, that's not, that's not how it is. And, right. and neither is O2. That's, that was my point. Jeremy was the O2 pitch is yeah. not necessarily one that they're trying to see if they can get him to bite or whatever. They may go right after him. Yep. So you can't take a pitch off. So if, if that catcher's setting up late, you have to know, Owen two, he sets up late. They may come after this guy. I got to be ready because mm-hmm. he may set up late. You can't be caught off guard. But it's a it's a great thing to have a communication with the catcher that they start off with with establishing names and then as well if he doesn't, then, you know, it's like, hey, I think that's a that's a pretty close pitch. Okay, I'll look at it a little bit longer. I'll try. Maybe I missed it, or I may just, you know, hey, uh, you set up late and I try to see it. I don't think I got a good look at it, so mm-hmm. I'm going to try and work a little bit higher. Okay, well, we're having this conversation because 99.9% of the time, I assume he's relaying this when he goes into the dugout. Sure. And I'm hoping that we're all establishing a relationship that I'm willing to talk to him mm-hmm. as long as he's telling me with, you know, as long as he's telling me without, uh, again, with, with his emotions in control mm-hmm. as to, hey, where do you got that pitch? Because they're filling out, you know, does this guy go outside? Does he go inside? Does, mm-hmm. you know, is he is he below the knee or is he right at the knee or? Is he, is he, do we got to go above the knee a little bit? Does he not call it that low? And, you know, it's just some, it's the umpire strike zone. Yes, it's in the book and this is a strike zone. That's a strike. It's easier said than done yeah. until you get back behind there and do it. And it's 95 miles an hour at your face. Yep. Um, and, 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 and a lot of things change on, on how that ball's caught, uh, how we're seeing the ball, uh, and how that batter, uh, actually, you know, is he, is he attempting to hit this pitch? What's he, you know, you got a lot of things going on. At the same time, so if we can keep that relationship with the catcher that we're working together. Now, if he turns around and and starts doing his hands up in the air and shaking his head no, and now we have handling situations again. So now we have to to defuse the situation. We got to get back. We got to put the train wheels back on on the bike and say, all right, let's let's start over. Hey, hey, hey! I need you to turn around. If you want to ask me where the pitch is, I told like I'll tell him. Hey, I don't get them all right. I try and get every single one, but I'm you know I'm not Jesus. I'm going to miss a pitch here and there, and it's not. <laughs> It's not for lack of effort. It's just it, it just happens. And yeah. and if you want to know where one is, I'll tell you. As long as we're not going every other pitch. Hey, where's that? Hey, where's that? Where's that? Because you know that's the other element of the umpires trying to be bigger than the game is mm-hmm. not trying to be not trying to be bigger than the game is you got that pitch in the dirt. Then you know the guys ask three times in a row, where's that pitch? Where's that pitch? Where's that pitch? Now it's in the dirt, and he doesn't ask. Hey, it's in the dirt. You know, in case you were going to ask. So <laughs> as an umpire. We don't want to do that, but unfortunately, at the youth level, and and some of the travel ball stuff, sometimes that happens, and I think that's where you have situations with plate umpires trying to come off the field because they're the ones sitting sitting right there in front of mom and dad, yeah. and those are the people screaming at them, and and these are the guys that that you know have to get the last word in, and now we have a situation outside the field or trying to walk to the parking lot to get to their car. I think if 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 there is a, a problem between the catcher and the umpire. Hey, you might, I might say something to the third base, um, to the third base coach. I'm like, Hey, Charlie, come here. Hey man, is this a new guy behind the plate? Yeah. Hey man, he's, he's really asking me a lot about pitches and it's like, it's, it's kind of too much, but it's like his tone is, is not agreeing. 
Mm-hmm. He's not agreeing with me, and, and we need to work on that. You know, I don't mind if you guys ask here and there if it's if it's close, but he's asking me. I mean, these pitches these pitches are would hit uh, another batter if they were in the other batter's box. So yeah. you know, let's, let's work on that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. or you know, we can always handle some situations in the dugout with the with the coach going by. Even even the catcher, I'm like, hey, is that your volunteer sitting down there? Yeah. Let, let him know when you go in. Look, I was like, don't make, we're not making a big deal about it now. But when you go in the dugout, let him know that I hear him. Okay. Because yep. while he's going to tell the volunteer, he's probably going to the head coach first. But I've probably kind of moseyed around there and got me a drink of water and might have said, hey, Mike, come here. And I might pull out the lineup card. <laughs> hey, you got a volunteer down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm trying to, hey, all right. Well, can you, uh, how, can you handle that situation so I don't have to? Yeah, Scott, I got it. I got it. I got it. So, <laughs> I'm not trying to steal Mark's thunder. We just get we just get rolling, and then you know I'm not lost for words. So well, that's you know that's that's kind of it. I think that's why I love you so much. I know you're not. That's why we got you on here, <laughs> uh, Mark. You go into that because I think again it's all relative to each individual umpire and obviously their stature and how they want to be set up and present and see pitches. So from a catcher and the physical way that they go about receiving pitches, what would you offer? But also the the verbal relationship and how that trickles up and down. How do you see it, Mark? No, it's a good. It's, it's very important to have that open dialogue with the catcher, and uh, you know, I don't sometimes so much try and tell them how to catch the ball because I don't want them to tell me how to umpire. But yeah. for me, I like I like those catchers that can catch the ball out in front of their body and yeah. stick pitches. And I, I will tell catchers sometimes, you know, don't you don't have to pull pitches. Just catch it where it's pitched, and you're going to get more strikes. Mm-hmm. When you start pulling pitches and trying to trick me or fool me. That's going to make my job harder. Yeah. So, you know, I, and I also tell them up front, I said, let's be honest with each other. I'm going to be honest with you. If, if I missed a pitch, maybe, you know, as long as we still have a good dialogue going. Mm-hmm. But don't tell me that's a good pitch when you know it's not a good pitch. And don't tell your pitching coach or your head coach, don't communicate to him and that's a good pitch when you know it's not a good pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very important to be honest with, you, with each other. You know, don't show me up. I'm not going to try and show you up so you don't show me up. You know, it's like we got to work together. we got to be on the same page. Yep. You know, and I, uh, I think that's very important. And I'm, as an umpire, I'm going to tell the catcher, too. I'm going to be – I'm going to try and be as consistent as I can be. And, and you know, so if, I, if I'm calling that pitch off the plate of ball, like two, two inches off the plate of ball, don't expect to get that later in the game because yeah. that's what it is. I've, I've established my zone early, and I'm not going to change it. Yep. You know, I'm going to be consistent throughout the whole the whole nine innings. Even if the game gets lopsided or if it's cold, you know, it, it's I've got to stay the same, especially with everything on TV and video. And uh, as an umpire, you know, our integrity is what we have. So now everybody wants to go home because it's lopsided or it's cold. And I start going off the plate. What's what's that make me look like? Yeah, you know, right. I, I'm you know. So I think those are important things that trying to communicate. Um, with the catchers and, and and let them know that hey you can talk to me, we can talk all night, but don't 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 go the other way. Don't start showing me up and don't start asking when you know a pitch is in a good pitch. Yeah, you know. So man, I might I think based on those answers, guys, I may start an initiative to where every coach has to in the fall they have to umpire a game behind the plate. I mean, I mean, so they know how tough it is, especially their guys. I mean, especially some of these upper level dudes you're, you're facing, how tough that really is. Now I had to do it behind the mound and inner squads. And I will say that I think I could be all league calling balls and strikes behind the mound, but behind the plate is a different animal. 
with headgear and, and, and really good pitchers. So again, I think that might be something we try to start out of here. Here's an interesting dynamic, and I, and I want to touch on this because I think it, it is relative across all the different levels, especially of the coaches that listen to this, whether you are a youth coach and all the way up through professional baseball. Let's live between that youth baseball and college baseball coach and where they see a two-man crew, especially on the lower levels, but even in Division three, even sometimes in Division two, they'll have a two-man crew and then occasionally when they get to the conference tournament or it's a big tournament on the youth level, state tournament. Now they get into those three and four umpire rotations. So, Mark, kick us off with this one. Examples of plays that, you know, again, they happen with a two-man crew. They happen with a three-man crew. And if a coach isn't used to it, they may want to come out and, hey, get clarification. They think you should have seen something that you maybe don't see in a two-man crew that you might see in a three. Can you give us an example of the really the different dynamics in place when you do move up? Uh, with a new umpire on the field? Yeah, I think the, the toughest play, especially for a two-man crew, is when the base umpire is in the middle of the field. Oh, yeah. And he's going to have a pulled foot swipe tag at first base. Yeah. And you're not at a good angle for a pulled foot or a swipe tag, mm-hmm. so a lot of times you kind of got to read the, the body language of the play and how the players react yeah. to the play when it happens. You know, that's probably the toughest, I would say, in two-man. Mm-hmm. And in three-man, you know, as, as as an umpire, you like to get in a position where you have the ball and the bag and the runner in front of you, coming at you. Hmm. So in four-man, you know, you can get to the outside at third base. Let's say a guy hits a triple and you're working third base. You can get to the outside right. so that the ball's hit the right field. You've got the ball, the runner, and the base in front of you. Well, in three-man, let's say, first base umpire goes out, third base umpire comes in. Now he's still in the middle of the infield yeah. where the play is developing at third base. And everything's going away from you. So you're not going to be able to see that swipe tag to the outside as good as you could if you were on the outside of the base. That's right. So there's, there's plays like that, I think, you know, that are the tough ones when you go from two to three. And then in four, you know, obviously it makes it even better because you're yep. going to hopefully be able to get to those positions where you can see those plays and have everything coming at you. That's great. So those, to me, would be... The toughest, toughest ones. Yeah, those are definitely, so. absolutely, definitely tough. Scott, what would you add to that? Again, tougher for the two-man, tougher for the three-man. What ones would you offer? Yeah, I'd say the two-man, especially uh, base umpires in the middle, and then the home plate umpire has all fair foul judgments down the line. Yeah. Uh, even if it's the fly ball, but the, the hardest one is the the whacker. That's the smoke line drive down the third base line <laughs> or the first base line, and the batter's right there, and you're trying to get your mask off. We're trying to teach them to get the mask off and then get on the line to make a judgment call of something. Uh, you know, Sometimes it just happens that fast. You're trying to look down there at the same time. You might not even have time to get your mask off, but mm-hmm. you're, you know, you, you've got a big call because every, every you know, every call, the, the first thing we judge is, is it fair or foul? Uh, so it's, it's tough and, and check swings in the two man crew for even a right handed batter or left handed batter in the, in the base umpires in the middle of the infield. It's tough. It's tough to call. Uh, and, and you're putting, you're kind of putting the monkey, uh, on the base umpires back because as a rule by rule in a two man, if that team asks you to check, call. Yeah. you got, you got to check. So yeah. now the plate umpire, Oh, he missed it. You both of you missed it. So now here we go. Hand on situations again, you know, so now, you know, it's tough for the, the two man crew and the, and the three umpire crew as well, trying to figure out the coaches, uh, trying to figure out whose call is that at third base with, with a runner, with runner runners in scoring position and whatnot. And, and maybe there's an overthrow 
and you got a base umpire that's in the middle of the infield and the first base umpire is on the first base side of the field and then the home plate umpire is at home but now we have multiple runners on base where because the ball's hit now we have multiple runners on base and now it's an overthrow into that dugout or 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 an overthrow on a play at home plate we have to have umpires that are paying attention as to where were the runners before this throw was made from the outfield Hmm. Uh, and with with two base umpires you're trying to figure out all right was this guy past second or was this guy past first who do we have past third Um, so a lot of times pre-pitch you always have you can't take a playoff. Yep. You have to know that there's multiple runners on base. What am I doing? What's the coverages? Every every batter, a line drive, a fly ball, a ground ball. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, if if it's a first play by an infielder and then we have an overthrow, all right, this guy on second and third base, they automatically score. So this guy on first, if it's a first play, he's going to third. Those are those are kind of easy base awards, but it, we have to judge once it goes in the outfield. Once that guy picks it up, he's throwing it over to the to the fielder and it goes out of play. We have to determine where we're putting the runners. And it has to be the right base award. It can't be wrong. But if you have four umpires out there, that gives everybody a good look. Everybody's got a good look with check swings on the wings there at, at, at uh, first base and third base. Um, and even if we did have an umpire go out, we still have three umpires in the, in the middle of the field that, that can – that can do it. So it's, it's a lot of work and yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. And sometimes the coaches are like, why did he make this call? Because, because we had this umpire went out on the ball. So that's the rotation. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. We know. Yeah. We understand that. Yeah. So that's part of it. I want to get into this. Cause I think it's a fair point. Any chance that I have, especially now to talk with coaches, certainly in, and I'm not doing this because we're on the show, but I do try to make a point to how to get the umpires on your side, how to develop a better friendship and relationship and, and certainly common respect. And I think one is just improving those relations or little things like creating a dressing room. I know again we're talking about small levels, whether it's youth or high school, uh, small college. Sometimes that's tough to do, but finding a dressing room space, putting some snacks in the lockers, doing some things that most may not, but it, it can really make a huge difference. Scott, kick us off with that one. What are some ways that you've seen coaches try to improve those relationships? But certainly from where you guys see it, it really helps. Started to understand that we're an element of the game. Uh, and coaches that have been around or coaches that have gone through the gauntlet of uh, travel ball or youth ball and conditions weren't weren't the best, like how can we step up our game? How can mm-hmm. we step up our program? How can we be the program when umpires see us on the schedule? They like, sweet. Yeah, that's this awesome. is a good place to go. Um, you know, just just the little things, because we know budgets are an issue and budgets are the worst thing to talk about because uh, it, because it's 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 kind of irritating. We know people are handcuffed. With, with things that you can do and whatnot, but if you can just create us a place where we can go that we don't have to uh, be in the parking lot yeah. to get dressed. That's yeah. a tough thing for people to do. And one of the guys getting dressed and now, you know, all of a sudden a mom sees, sees an umpire in a pair of tights and now she's offended, you know, so now we're in such a sensitive world. We, we would just request just a room, uh, prefer- preferably not the janitorial closet, but just somewhere we can go. Yeah. That may be just a auxiliary room, you know, give us a couple of chairs. Um, a couple bottled waters, you know, that, w- that we may have before, uh, before a game or, or access to a bathroom where we're not, you know, and like I said, it's budgets and it's not always feasible, but if, if we don't have to go to the public restroom to use the bathroom and then tuck in our shirt so we can look the part when we walk out on the field. Yeah. So if we could just have a $2, a $2 wall mirror from Walmart, if you could put that in a room that we could possibly get dressed there without everybody seeing us, that's, that's a good that's a good thing. It's just a little part. It's just a little things that you could go to, you could go to Walmart and 
you know, just pick up, you know, pick up little bitty items such as a, a folding chair if you can't find one or whatnot, and, mm-hmm. and a, a, a towel. You know, it's it's we just work three hours out there on the field to give you our best, and if there's some, you know, we can have a towel to wipe our face off instead of sweaty hands that got dirt on it from baseballs or whatnot, and you know, just wipe our face off. We're we're prepared. Um, maybe a little carry-on bag or whatnot that that we assume this may not be a facility that will provide that for us so we'll bring it mm-hmm. just to make it a little bit better for us because we we'd like to have that but um you know if, if there's a way you could get it you could offer you don't have to say hey you're the umpire so you get a bottle of water and two hot dogs if you got a grill going or something and you got some hamburgers out there hey guys the worst probably one of the things that, that's crazy is like donuts for cops well hot dogs for your umpires <laughs> it's not really you know it's just a it's just an old cliche you know, hot dogs aren't the best thing we'd like to put in our body after game. I, I'd rather stop at Wendy's and get a 99 cent bacon, double bacon cheeseburger. No mayonnaise, those. That's bad for you. You know, so <laughs> it's uh, it, it just the little things. Like if you can get us a cheeseburger, or, hey, we got, you know, we processed chicken or something. We can get something that's hot instead of instead of a bag of popcorn and a bottle of water. And that's hey, hey, there's your pet on the back. Thanks for coming here. Yeah. You know, it's just the little things that you could do to go above and beyond of, of doing some things like that. Maybe a shower, a shower would be great after, or at least the opportunity to take a shower. Some guys may commute. They could be a local umpire and I'll shower when I get home, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I may, I may be driving two hours. I'd like to take a quick shower. I'm not going to sit in there and soak and whatnot, but I like to rinse off. And at least when I put on my dress clothes to go back home, I'm not, I'm not wearing them uh, and, and sweating through them because I just sweated for three hours out there on the field so it's just you know just ask your local guys ask your local group if you're a, a college guy or you're a let's say you're a travel ball tournament organizer and you're dealing with an assigner hey what's some what's some little perks hey we can get a cooler of water for these guys and put it in the umpire's dressing room or mm-hmm. you know we'll have towels available for guys or you know just just reach out and say hey what would make it better i know at some of the stadiums in my area that are, have just been constructed and are you know killing it on on the websites was they had a little input as to we're thinking of doing this for the umpires. We want it to be when umpires come in to umpire game, they go, wow, this is a step up. You know, yeah. this is, this is, this is, uh, you know, this is top notch. So again, we understand budgets, uh, is, there's constraints and sometimes facilities just aren't equipped. But if there's anything that a coach or a coaching staff can do, can get a manager. I mean, it doesn't even have to be the coaching staff. If you got a manager or you got, you got a couple of pitchers that aren't pitching this weekend that are, I don't know, maybe they're walk-ons or something. Give them a job instead of just charting pitches. Just just come check on us to make sure we're there, make sure we're alive, we don't need anything. Uh, something could have happened. I might need a Band-Aid. You know, just come mm-hmm. check on us every once in a while or give us, a, give us some contact information. Maybe I can send a guy a text. Hey, can you come over here? We need a bag of ice because uh, I got hit, you know, I got hit in the forearm during the game. I'd like to have a bag of ice for the ride home. Yeah. You know, just, yep. just little stuff like that. So That's it's not – not, it's not going above and beyond, and we're try- not trying to kill your budget. We're just trying to say, hey, you know, we just want to be a little bit a part of, of uh, you know, just trying to help us out just a little bit. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I, I love that's, that's stuff to not even think about in terms of reaching out and just getting that feedback direct from those guys. Uh, Mark, anything to add to that? Well, yeah, no, I just want to tell you that, yeah, the stuff that Scott was talking about is important. Like, you know, yeah. like he said, that's somebody to check on us, and, and, you know, especially like with food and stuff like that, if you got two games, you know, we're not going to have time to get changed and go get something. I mean, that would be really mm-hmm. important to have something for the guys that even, even if it's a bologna sandwich, just something to let them know you care in there. And you communicate with us too, like especially if there's weather coming in or if there's something going on with the field or, 
whatever the case may be. Because right. we go up there and we don't even know what could, could, could be going on. So I think that's important too, to communicate, just like they work with the visiting team. You know, and I think it's important to get us in the loop too. Yeah. Gosh, that's fantastic. Okay, let's kind of go to the lighter side of this. And uh, Mark, kick us off on this. The most outrageous or funny story that's happened to you. And again, names out of the out of the loop on this one. Certainly keeping it PG. But most outrageous or just funny story that's happened to you in umpiring. What would you offer? Well, there's a lot. So, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to when I first started umpiring. I was in in extended spring, which okay. is like for guys that might not know, it's for the guys that don't make travel teams on in the minor leagues. They stay mm-hmm. back at the spring training complex and wait for short season to start. So it was my first year in the minor leagues and I'm, I'm playing and, you know, we think this is, you know, this is it, man. We're like ready to take on the world. <laughs> and, uh, I'm working the bases and this pitcher, it was a Florida Marlins, uh, short season team. This pitcher had to run our second base, and I keep hearing this pitching coach yell, make him stop, make him stop. So finally, I yell in there. I said, he is stopping. Well, they weren't, it was a pitcher on the mound. It was his pitching coach yelling at his pitcher to make the runner on second stop from getting a walking lead. Yeah. So I looked like a complete idiot. Like, <laughs> I didn't even understand the game. And, you know, everybody's kind of like laughing at me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I just stuck my foot in my mouth there so that, that was probably one of the funniest things that happened to me early on in my career so it's a, a insert foot uh right in that moment yeah uh scott what would you yeah. add oh this is uh, like they piggyback on marks for saying a lot i think it's almost every situation it's it's it's, it's just like bull durham because the people that went through the minor leagues or pro ball and whatnot uh that were players or coaches or whatnot can can also vouch that you can't make these things up like yeah. <laughs> bull durham was the greatest movie for baseball in the minor leagues and whatnot that could ever happen but um probably probably a funny story that was embarrassing to me because i'm i'm getting ready to panic uh right out of umpire school i get assigned to go uh over to spring training and and you know this this uh, this is my first deal and we get over there and and i'm over at the cleveland indians site in winter haven and they're playing the Braves. Um, however, it's my first game, you know, the night before I meet everybody, Hey, you know, this guy's in triple a and this guy's in double a, um, this guy's here and this guy's there. And Mike, Mark might even been in my crew. I don't know, but the story is, the story was just nuts because the crew chief says, welcome to spring training with the, it's the minor league spring training. You've got the triple a game in about 30 minutes behind the plate. So that's, that's enough. Uh, you know, my, in, in the male terms, my water broke yeah. and I'm putting on the gear. Well, here comes, it's a rehab assignment for the triple A game. You got black Jack McDowell pitching, uh, pitching for the Indians and, and John smokes is pitching wow. for the Braves. That's yeah. what I said when I walked out on the field and I'm like, <laughs> looking at everybody, I don't have any letters. I don't have any minor league letters on my cap. I've got a plain black wow. cap. So people are cat calling. Ooh, got the rookie today. Got the rookie today. And, um, they come out there and Sandy Alomar is catching for the Indians. And this is right after Roberto uh, spit on one of the big league umpires. And yep. this is the Alomar. And I see the name and he introduces himself and said, I promise I won't spit on you. So I'm like, oh, I'm still scared to death. And yeah. he goes, hey, we, we can't. And he said, hey, um, 
uh, Blackjack, he needs he needs the bag of curveballs. You got to go get them. I'm like, the what? He goes, the big league balls. They, they're the ones that he throws curveball with. Can you go get them from the dugout? I'm like, yeah, hell, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so I go over to the dugout, and I said, they're like, what do you need? I said, baseballs. I said, they I said, I'm looking for the the big league balls that he throws curveballs with. Which ones are they using? They go, oh, they're in the other dugout. Oh, no. So I'm like, why are they in the other dugout? Okay, go get it. So I go, I mean, everybody's heard the story, but when you're starstruck like I was and didn't know what the heck you were doing and what you were getting yourself into and <laughs> you got 30 minutes to go do a, two big leaguers on rehab and, and whatnot, it was just a, it was a nightmare. So everybody had a good, had a good cackle about that. So, you know, we, we roll with that for the rest of spring training that I'm always looking for the bag of curveballs. So that is outstanding. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for a little self-deprecation that always helps and keeps it real. We really appreciate that. Um, last question I got for you again, you guys have been just fantastic and this has just been a, a really neat walk through, uh, the way that you guys see things from your place on the field. Um, Scott, I man, you've offered so much, Mark, you've offered so much, but Scott, last question I got for both of you. Just other advice that you have for coaches, again, just from where you stand on the field and the way that you see it, what else would you offer these guys paying attention to the show? I'd offer them, thank you for what you do. Hmm. Uh, you're, you're taking a lot of time away from your family, and, and you're on the road year-round uh, recruiting, and you're trying to build up your program. And uh, things that we do as umpires is we're trying to do the same thing in our off-season. Mm-hmm. We're trying to watch our diet. Sometimes it doesn't always work out to our, to the best, but we're still trying to do the little things of getting in the rule book. We're trying to go to camp so we can teach, and, and we're trying to learn new techniques from big league umpires that we stay in contact with on better coverages so we can provide a better service for for the game of baseball. Um, but there's also the, the elements of you know, we leave everything at home. We leave everything in the hotel rooms when we're traveling and whatnot. And when we come to the field, just just realize and, and understand again, like we talked about earlier, we're we're not we're not hollering at the shortstop that booted the ball. We're not hollering at the pitcher that had 0 and two with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and now he hits the guy. So now we got a runner on first base and what happens on the next batter? He hits the double and there's the guy that just scored uh the tying run. So now we go into extra innings. So uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we are trying to do as people and personalities that we're we're trying to make a better relationship with coaches and or or and, and build upon those relationships that we continue to work. And if we can if we can talk and we can keep communicating like like uh, Ed Hockley in the NFL, yeah. you know, if we can if we can articulate our calls and, and use those rule book terminology was, you know, kind of give us the benefit of the doubt that we're not, we, we just didn't try out and make the team. Mm-hmm. We've been working at this for a long time. And, uh, you know, some days are going to be better than others. And, and some games behind the plate, you just have one of those games where we're hoping in the second inning, if I can just get through this, this, <laughs> just like your starter, yeah. it's not his day for whatever reason, we're trying to get back up on the bike and pedal as fast as we can to go, I got to get through it and I've got to, I've got to work harder because I, I'm not on my game. Now that's yeah. not a, that doesn't give you the right to, to give me a shot and say, Oh, it must not be your a game today. But it's one of those where, you know, we're human, we're human and we're, we're trying not to make mistakes. We're, you're trying to make the right substitution. We're trying to, we're trying to make the right determination on, on, uh, on the rule book. And, and we're trying to, uh, interpret the correct play. So we're not giving you the wrong information for something that's not right because we do not want to see anything the next morning 
uh, in an email or a phone call from our coordinator, our bosses, right. uh, and then have to discuss it. And then it hangs over our head for the rest of the week. Uh, we could be pulled from an assignment, but there's nobody that feels worse uh, about missing a call than an umpire. But that's spearheads it back to replay. Thank you for pushing for replay. Thank you for getting that in there, even if it's an if it's an old school uh, person that that you know the element of slowing it down and seeing it eight times to see that I missed it by a shoelace. I can sleep at night. Yeah. I can sleep at night that we flipped that call and got it right yeah. instead of seeing it the next day and it being on social media or on ESPN or whatnot and say, this was a close call. This was, you know, and right here by this replay, he missed it. We have the technology to make the game better and thank, thank them for pushing for that to make the game better. Um, in, in the fact of, Let's get it right. Let's yeah. let's let's get it right. Let's do it for the betterment of the game. It's not to embarrass an umpire. It's because they have the ability to challenge a play. Yeah. Hey, if you got a challenge, you, you should use it. Um, and and those are those are awesome to do. So, um, you know, and, and I know umpires don't say it enough, and and coaches don't say it enough to umpires, but we respect them, and we feel like they respect us if we can continue that to respect the game respecting the game means we respect the coaches and the coaches respect the umpires let's 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 be let's be in it together that's it well that's exactly why we did this show um mm -hmm. mark what would you offer man just advice for coaches again from the way that you see it what would you say well i would i would say that you know just understand like we're not robots we're not we're people we have we have feelings we have emotions we have you know jobs we have families we maybe travel all day to get to a game we we may have got hurt leg. We might have we have all kinds of things going on in our mm -hmm, life too, mm -hmm. and we're going to go out there. And we're going to do our best and just have a little compassion and understanding that hey, you know the worst thing that we want to do is we want to be noticed. We want to sneak in and yep. sneak out yep. and do the best job we can. And I think if <clears throat> if the coaches would uh, maybe just take a step back and be like, hey, you know these guys are trying hard. Now if you, if a guy's not working hard then that's a little different story. But mm -hmm. I know every time I go out there, I want to be the best umpire. I want to show everybody how good I can be. And, and I take it very serious. And I think most, most of the guys that I work with and, and across the country are feel the same way. This is, this is more than just a hobby. It's, it's a, it's a desire. It's a passion. And, mm. you know, I want to do this for a long time. I want to be the best I can be. And, and, I, and I'm going to do that. And I think the coaches just, could look at it from our side just once in a while. I think that they would they would see, hey, these guys, these guys get it. So yeah, that's what I would leave it leave it I, with. I love it, man. This is an episode of healing, <laughs> bringing both sides together uh, for an hour <laughs> and a half and having a, just a fantastic conversation. Uh, Scott Kennedy, Mark Winters, guys, we wish you the best of luck this year as you get back there behind the plate and in the field. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks for offering. Again, your thoughts and ideas and certainly perspective that can help our coaches. Um, we wish you the best of luck, but thanks for jumping on with us. Hey, thanks for having us. It was great. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and connecting with these great coaches. If you're interested in more of these shows, check us out on iTunes, hit subscribe and dive right in, or head over to abca.org slash podcast and scroll through all of our episodes. A huge thanks again to the great folks over at AstroTurf for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking at doing any upgrades at your facility, head over to AstroTurf.com. That's AstroTurf.com and see why they've been ahead of the curve for almost 50 years. 
Now, here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, we're here to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help. Head over to our website, abca.org, for more information. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at ABCA1945. You can find us on Facebook as well. And feel free to reach out to me directly at any time on Twitter, at CoachSheets3, or by email, Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members and continue to find ways to keep growing the game together. As always, coaches, thank you for listening in and staying dialed into our podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball.